Hello, everybody out there on the internet. Welcome to worship. My name is Adam, and it's my joy to be the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us in worship. I hope that this morning's service is encouraging to you, and it's a time of peace and hope. We're going to have uh, some worship songs together. We're going to have a hearing from God's word, and we're going to share some times of prayer and also have the opportunity to be generous. One of the things we do at our traditional service is, is say this thing called the Apostles' Creed. Some of you watching will be familiar. Others of you will be new. This is something that spans uh, hundreds or, or thousands of years that Christians have done uh, to, to join together in saying the essential elements of our faith. So I would invite you to join with me in the Apostles' Creed, this thing that has stood the test of time, which I find encouragement in when times seem uncertain. Would you join me by saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now I'll turn it over to our worship leaders. Let's join together in song. So glad you're here. Good morning. My name is Jeremy. And I invite you to join Alice and I in our hymn, Hosanna, Loud Hosanna. Will you please join me in prayer? 
Holy Lord. We rejoice and sing Alleluia as we enter into Holy Week. Turn our hearts again to Jerusalem and to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stir up within us the gift of faith so that we may not only praise you with our lips, but follow you in the way to the cross. Lord, we look to you in this time of distress and uncertainty. Help us to lay all we are at your feet and all that we have at the foot of the cross. Trusting you to forgive what is sinful, to heal what is broken, and to just receive us as your very own. Together we lift our voices in the words that you taught the first disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
justice roll on like a river. They worship, turn into Friends, thank you so much for making worship a priority and welcome to my living room. I apologize if my voice sounds a little bit odd. It's because in the months of March and April, I am allergic to planet Earth, but we're going to press on. We are in our series called I Am, where we're looking at the seven different I Am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. And uh, it's leading up to Easter, and uh, I hope it's been an encouraging series for you all. Our hope is that when Jesus says, I am, we learn who we are. Now, in some of the only sports news recently, Tom Brady, the magnificent TB12, has left the New England Patriots and has joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That means the entire AFC gets to say, bye-bye, Tommy. Hit me with the music. That's good. That's good. So the, the, the New England Patriots, I need to calm myself here. Uh, the New England Patriots letting go of their six-time Super Bowl winner, albeit at the age of 42, but them releasing their letting walk away their six-time Super Bowl winner is a great example of a philosophy called the Patriot Way. The Patriot Way means these the, the core practices at the heart of the New England Patriots dynasty for like 20 years. One of the aspects of the Patriot Way is not giving players contracts based on past performance. Bill Belichick, the coach of the Patriots, will always want to get rid of any player, any player, one or two years too early rather than one or two years too late. Even if that means, and I hate to say this, the greatest quarterback of all time. They just let him walk. Belichick will ruthless, ruthlessly stick to his conventions. And that's what makes the Patriot way. There's a similar concept from the smash Disney plus hit, The Mandalorian. Now, y'all know I've been sitting in quarantine cooking up Star Wars references for you all. Uh, the Mandalorian features a character, this mysterious man from a once great tribe now scattered throughout the galaxy. They're, they're called, you guessed it, the Mandalorians. <clears throat> Raised as fierce warriors, they share a common creed and religion. This is how they preserve their culture for future generations. And they repeat the mantra, this is the way. The Patriot way, the Mandalorian way. Not just a philosophy or an approach, but a code you live by. In our scripture today, Jesus says, I am the way. How timely, how vital for us to study the way of Jesus when most of our way of life 
has been upended this month. Our scripture today is John 14, 1 through 7. So go ahead and pause the video and open it up if you want. Go ahead. This passage is one of my absolute all-time Hall of Fame favorites. This is the scripture I would want preached at my funeral, which I hope is still a long way away. Uh, Jesus is have, having some of his last conversations with his disciples. And, it, and it's hard to overstate the drama that's present in this episode of Jesus' life. He knows that these are some of his parting words to his best friends. What would you say to someone if you knew it was the last conversation you'd have? Now, sadly, some of us know what it's like to be aware that it's a final conversation with someone we love. Now, Jesus knew that he would see and talk with the disciples after his execution, after his crucifixion. But there was no way that these disciples in John 14 could have imagined what was coming next. The disciples are very distraught, and you'll see that in our first verse. So let's open up to John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus was trying to reassure his disciples that the things uh, for them were about to get bad, but they wouldn't stay that way. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I kind of think of this statement as on the surface, a little less than helpful. Like when one of my kids is really upset, they're three and six, and, and I say to them, calm down. Like, has that ever worked in the history of kids? If your kid's freaking out, to just say, calm down. So if the disciples are distraught and Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, for most people that wouldn't be effective. But when Jesus says it, it carries a different weight because he knows what's ahead. He's saying to his disciples, the pain of the cross will not last forever, so live in hope. His statement to not let your hearts be troubled is backed up by his equivalence to God the Father. So in troubling times, friends, let's hear the words of Jesus fresh today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's choose to trust in Jesus, who is greater than our troubling but temporary circumstances. Let's read on. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Now, the word translated many rooms in the NIV is monet in Greek, which means dwelling place. In the King James Version, it's famously translated mansions. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Now that word mansions has kind of a different connotation in our society today and in modern history. There's an old gospel song that Elvis Presley sang called The Mansion Over the Hilltop. And the imagery here that comes to mind is like this heavenly Hilton that's, that's being prepared for us. And we each have our own mansion with, with really great room service. But, but, I think to, to take that view is to, to miss what Jesus is trying to point out. In the first century, when you got married and moved out on your own, you added on to the father's house. And so Jesus' image here is that the picture of heaven is everyone under the father's roof. Now, if you've been cooped up with your family for about three weeks, that may be a less than helpful image at the moment, but work with me here. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. These are precious, 
precious words to me. Whatever the description of heaven, this is enough. Heaven is where we will always be with Jesus. So how do we get there? Jesus continues in verse five. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus tells his disciples that they know the way, but the disciples don't know that they know it. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. You're closer than you think. One of them speaks up. Thomas said to him in verse five, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, students, I think this is a moment that we can pause to appreciate. Thomas is like the kid in class who has the guts to ask the question that everybody else is thinking. Jesus says, you know the way. And Thomas speaks up and says, uh, I'm sorry, what? How do we know the way? It's a great question. The disciples knew the way, but they didn't know that they knew it. Maybe that's where uh, a lot of us find ourselves, like we said. Jesus' response to Thomas brings in our I am statement. Verses six and seven, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is a landmark declaration of Jesus. For him to claim he is the way and the truth and the life was heresy to the group of people conspiring to kill him shortly after this episode. So let's break these three down. What does it mean for Jesus to say that I am the way? You ever go to a store and you have no idea where you're going? Like when I go to Home Depot, I'm like a lost puppy. I don't know where anything is. I don't know what anything's called. I'm not handy. So when I ask one of the very nice people in the orange vests where something is, and, and they're like, oh yeah, sure. You go down to aisle 19, past the rotary girders, and it's, uh, it's on the east side. I'm going to get about five steps away before I'm lost. I, I, I don't know what's going on. But if that same orange vested angel doesn't just tell me the way, but takes me there, that makes all the difference. I love what William Barclay said. But suppose the person we ask says, come and I'll take you there. In that case, the person to us is the way and we cannot miss it. That is what Jesus does for us. He does not only give advice and directions. He takes us by the hand and leads us. He strengthens us and guides us personally every day. He does not tell us about the way. He is the way. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the truth? I remember very clearly um, someone, uh, one of the high school leaders in my youth group. This is probably 20 years ago, and I still remember this. I'm excited if y'all remember something like three days after a sermon. This has stuck with me for 20 years. It was Miss Sherry, and this is what she said. You know, there's lots of religious leaders and teachers who have come and showed up and said, do as I say, but only Jesus said, do as I do. I'll never forget that. No teacher has ever embodied the truth that he or she taught except Jesus. He stands unique among religious figures. The sentiment that all religions are the same, I think is well-intended, but I don't think it's correct. Even though different religions may share common elements, that doesn't mean that all religions speak with the same content or with equal authority. I love what Christian author and thinker Ravi Zacharias said. He was born in India and came to faith as a teenager. He puts it well. At the heart of every religion 
is an uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who God is or is not, and accordingly, of defining life's purpose. Anyone who claims that all religions are the same betrays not only an ignorance of all religions, but also a caricatured view of even the best-known ones. Every religion is at its core exclusive. Now, I'm very aware that in 21st century America, what I just got done saying is among the most offensive things a person can do. That's why when Jesus says, I am the truth, it's a controversial statement. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, I view Jesus' statement as exclusively inclusive. It's only through Jesus that people can come to the Father. And yet in the Father's house, there's room for everyone. Exclusively inclusive. Not long after this conversation with his disciples, Jesus would be confronted by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who would give the order for Jesus to be crucified. And Pilate's question to Jesus still stands thousands of years later. In John 18, 38, he asked, what is truth? Christians believe that Jesus didn't just describe the truth. We believe that Jesus is the truth. Jesus also said, I am the life. And I think that's ultimately what we all want. A life that that is worth living and a life that will last. I believe life without Jesus is incomplete. This is the promise that Jesus makes to not only show us the truest way to live, but to make it possible to be where he is also. For Jesus, true life was central to his entire mission. We looked at this verse earlier in the series from John chapter 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So friends, don't let your hearts be troubled. We can know the way. Our hope is in Christ, not in our circumstances. This could be our generation's great struggle. Now I was a history major in college, so I'm a flex a little bit here, if that's okay. In the 1940s, our country rationed all sorts of things in the effort of World War II. In the 1960s, the Cuban Missile Crisis accelerated the Cold War, which would last another two decades. We have folks at our church who remember having nuclear missile drills. Hey kids, a nuke is coming, better hide under the desk. I mean, that's what our children lived through decades ago. In the 70s, we had the oil crisis and the gas shortage. In the 1980s, we had the AIDS epidemic. And almost everything about modern life was somehow touched by the events of September 11, 2001. Each of these events shaped our society's way of life, but none of these events changed the way to God. The way of Jesus spans back thousands of years. In fact, Christians, before they were referred to as Christians, were known as followers of the way. Five different times in the book of Acts, this is how Christians were first known and described. Friends, among all that we don't know in this epidemic and all the things you may be struggling with, we can know the way. We can keep following Jesus by loving God and loving our neighbor. We can can express that love by doing our part to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. 
by taking all the recommended precautions, we can continue to worship, we can continue to pray, and we can continue to keep our faith. Our routines have looked a little different recently, a lot different since mid-March, but Jesus is still the same and his promises remain. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And everybody said, amen. Friends, as a part of worship, we have the opportunity to be generous. We want to be sensitive because we know this is an uncertain time, but we believe that God continues to provide all that is necessary for the mission of the church to continue. I want you to know that our church has been in communication with local authorities. I'm part of a conference call twice a week to lend our church's support to our community in whatever way that takes shape in the coming days and weeks. Our church continues to support our long-standing missional partners whose work is more important now than ever. We've increased our, our uh, funding to the Kearney Food Pantry. This last week, we rallied people to help supply uh, families in poverty with preschool-aged children through a program called Baby Grace. And I'm so proud of all the ways that our church continues to reach out even amidst the order to stay home. Even though we're dispersed, the mission continues, friends, and your generosity fuels that. Thank you so, so much. And I'm so proud to be a part of a place that steps in in tough times. May God continue to bless our work and bless these gifts so that the circle of his love can grow wider and wider. We also invite you, uh, you can mail a check, you can give online, and we've introduced text giving. To give via text, text the word GIVE to 816 354 1760. Immediately, you will get a link on your phone to go and set up your account. Then you'll choose what campus you attend, how much your amount is, as well as your payment information. Then hit send and you've given via text. Now, the next time you want to give via text, now you've already set up your account, all you have to do is text what amount to 816 3541760. If you have any questions about text giving, reach out to office at carneyfumc.org. Thank you so much for your continued generosity, and may God bless these our generous gifts so that the circle of his love can grow wider and wider.
friends, whatever happens this week, may you find hope and encouragement in that we can know the way. I'm so glad you joined us for worship online today. I speak for all of the staff when I say that we desperately miss you. We want to be together so bad, and I'm so proud of the folks who have made this possible, taping stuff in our living rooms, and I thank you for joining us. Couple things before you go. This week is Palm Sunday. April 5th starts the Christian celebration of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and then his last supper with the disciples on Maundy Thursday. Sounds like Monday. It's Maundy. It's a Latin word. I'll tell you about that later. His crucifixion on Good Friday and our celebration of his resurrection on Easter Sunday. So I invite you to download a free app called Easter Now. Check out www.easternow.com. And it's this amazing app for free that will give you interactive maps and daily devotions for you to be able to experience Holy Week at home. And if you've got kiddos or if you're looking for something to do, check out our First Kids Facebook page because we've got a sheet up there for you with a little palm thing that you can color and, and, and reenact Jesus' entry into Jerusalem when people welcome him by waving palms and have your own little personal palm parade going on. And then on Thursday, I invite you to join me at my house on Facebook Live for a Maundy Thursday communion service. It's going to be an experiment. So I hope you come and celebrate communion. Let's come and remember Jesus' great command to love one another as he instituted uh, this amazing meal and sacrament that we remember him by. And finally, I invite you to join us next week online as we celebrate the resurrection. Friends, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now. And everybody said, amen. We'll see you next week.